Hey friend! Oh my gosh, so I don't know about you, but I am loving all graphic t-shirts, graphic sweatshirts, and hey, did you know I actually have one for Open the Magic or Picture Books for My Jam? I pretty much live in my pink one all fall and winter, and I'd love for you to get on the train with me. So all you have to do is pop over to my Magic Wear shop, and you can get there by typing in bit.ly backslash capital R capital R Magic Wear. Again, that is B-I-T dot L-Y backslash capital R capital R Magic Wear. Let's open the magic together while being stylish. Yay! Hey friends! Welcome to the Confetti Moments Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Hinshaw. I believe that picture books open the magic for all readers. Today, open your heart and let all the book feels in. It's going to be so much fun. Let's open the magic. Welcome to another episode of Confetti Moments. Y'all, I am so excited for today's guest. As you know, today we are celebrating Beverly Cleary. She would have been 105 today. So in honor of her, I, of course, am wearing all my Ramona wear today, but I'm also going to be interviewing the author behind Just Like Beverly, a biography about Beverly Cleary. So welcome, Vicki Conrad, to Confetti Moments. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to share about um, this book. And um, it was very hard to see Beverly pass before her 105th birthday. I was really rooting for her. But also, I'm so excited to celebrate her life and her contributions to literature. Absolutely. So why don't you, let's start off with, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, I live in Seattle, Washington. Uh, I grew up in Colorado, and then I moved to the Northwest for college. Um, and I've been here over 20 years, so I really am a Northwest, um, a Northwest girl, just like Beverly was um, growing up in, uh, in Oregon. Um, I taught kindergarten for 13 years, um, so I have a huge heart for picture books, and um, then I switched roles in teaching, and now I am a learning, um, I'm a learning support specialist. So um, I have a master's in reading and literacy instruction. Um, So I work with students one-on-one who need a boost um, in reading or in math. I love teaching math as well. So um, that is a little bit about, and Just Like Beverly was my very first book. Um, And I have another one coming out in October that is also nonfiction. Oh my gosh. Okay. So just on your all about you, now I have some questions I have to ask. Where in Colorado are you from? Uh, I grew up in Colorado Springs. Okay, I was born in Littleton. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then I've always wanted to go to Seattle. Are there any special picture books shops in Seattle that you <gasps> Okay, we are, we have an abundance of independent bookstores. Oh, I'm so, so jealous. An abundance. And uh, I love independent bookstores. I love the booksellers that work there. So last Saturday, um, just to sort of commemorate her life, I went around to all the independent bookstores um, and signed copies of any copies of Just Like Beverly. Um, We have a strong support of indie indie bookstores. So I have a list I can think of um, at least seven off the top of my head. And we have one called Secret Garden Books 
that has been um, it has been there for years and years and years, and it's still going strong. Um, and we, the University of Washington Bookstore is an amazing place. That's where I had my book launch. Um, and Beverly Cleary went to the University of Washington for library school. Um, so we uh, we are literature strong in Seattle. So. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm just so excited to interview you. I think we'd like to just talk for the whole day. Okay. So why, and you kind of already said something, but I want to dive in a little bit deeper. Why do you think picture books are so important nowadays? Um, after being a teacher for so long, I think picture books are the key to getting kids to love literature. Um, it can be highly motivating for them to want to learn to read um, when they really love books. Um, they're vital for literacy development. Um, I think they teach kids um, that reading is fun. And once a child falls in love being read to, it gives them all these positive feelings about reading um, and sets them up for a life of, of wanting to read. And I always tell my kids, we just have to crack the code so that we can get to enjoy stories and learn all the new things in books. So. Oh my gosh, I so 100% agree. <laughs> like, because I love being read to, I think that really helped me with, because I had a learning dif difficulty. And so being read to really made me love books. And so I'm just so thankful that I have parents and teachers who read to me because that really, I think, helped my reading journey. So, oh, I agree 100%. Yes. So what were you like as a reader growing up? Um, so I was a voracious reader. I once I I wasn't an early reader, um, but once I learned like in in first and second grade how to read on my own, that's all I wanted to do. Sometimes my parents would take away my books and make me go outside because it was all I would want to do when I was hooked on something. Um, and the Ramona series meant a lot to me because uh, they were all being released as I was learning to read in like first and second grade. So I sort of felt like I grew up with Ramona. Um, as I was reading, um, and reading really instilled a huge desire in me to be a writer. So in fourth grade, if you'd asked me what I wanted to do, I wanted to move to England and live in a castle and write books. So. Oh my gosh, Vicki, I love that. Oh, that sounds so magical. Okay, now I mean, we're here to talk about Bev's. And while I love learning about you, I really want to start digging into kind of learning about what made you want to write about Beverly Cleary? Um, so I, about 10 years ago, my dream of writing really wouldn't leave me alone. And so I started to go to conferences and take classes on how to write for children. Um, and I took a class on picture, on writing picture book biographies. <clears throat> and it was just a one day intensive. And, um, I, I just couldn't stop thinking about a girl from Yam Hill because I read that book in sixth grade. Um, and I, I didn't have firm memories of what her life was like, but I remember she had this, this kind of amazing, she wrote all about her life growing up in Oregon. And so it just got me curious. So I started rewrite, rereading A Girl from Yam Hill. And so I uh, just sat down one day and um, started to write the picture book biography about her. Um, and I, writing is a really long and harrowing journey, but the cool thing about this is that I took that beginning story to a conference 
a writing conference in front of an editor where you read in front of an editor. And I met an editor who is from Portland, Oregon, who loves Beverly Cleary. So uh, the crazy thing, what happened is she liked the story. I sent it to her, um, but I didn't really know enough what I was doing. And she said no. So I worked on it for two more years on my own before it got published. Oh my gosh, what an incredible like journey for you and experience. And I know a lot of my listeners want to, might want to know, did you ever get to meet Beverly Cleary? Um, unfortunately, no. We tried to reach out to her. We did. Re we tried to reach out to her through um, HarperCollins, uh, her lifetime publisher. Um, but when I when this was when I was writing this, she was around 100, 101. Um, so she really wasn't doing interviews. I couldn't get a hold of her. So that's the sad thing is I never got to speak with her. But, but, um, but I I bet she probably saw your book or at least I hope so. I'm gonna I hope say she so. did. Yes, I like to believe that she she did before she died. So yeah. All right. Well, speaking of Bev, I mean, obviously we're talking about her, but how did you go about your research? How did you know, like, okay, this is what I want to focus on because she had such an incredible life. Um, so finding the focus of the story was the really huge difficulty. So I read a girl from Yam Hill and the follow-up um, on my own two feet um, a lot. Uh, and um, I did... I did, I wanted to get a feel for who she was. So I, I researched a lot looking up um, like real pictures of her house and um, what clothes looked like back then, the picture of her little town Yam Hill. Um, I visited, I walked, I visited her neighborhood in Portland. So the big hard thing, this book actually got passed on. Um, it got passed on at first and then um, that same editor who liked it emailed me two years later and said, I work for a different publisher and I think they'd like it, send it to me. So it sort of went through this process where everybody was saying, we love this, we love this. And then I got to like the final yes or no. And they said, um, it's not quite right yet. And so what they were saying really is that it didn't have, I didn't have a clear focus on the book because there were all these different things. For a while I was like, well, she was a writer that hated reading. How do I pull that in? And then I was like, well, she was just so brave. And her mom started the first library. Maybe that's the end. So when I finally, um, there was six weeks, I had about six, I know I had a month to make it better, to make it to where they were going to have like another meeting to say yes or no. So I had a month to get this story worked out. And I was terrified <laughs> that I couldn't do it. So I, within that month, I reread all the Ramona books. I reread A Girl from Yam Hill and um, I thought about how her books really were connected to her childhood life. They were born out of her childhood life. Um, so for a whole weekend I worked on this book and I really just sort of immersed my whole brain in her little world um, in Portland and what it was like to be little Beverly. And then I just realized the whole focus of this book is that her drive was to write the books that she wished were there when she was a child. And that is what drove her as a writer to keep going and to keep pursuing writing. So that is where the idea of Just Like Beverly came. And so I worked on it that whole weekend and finally on Sunday night, I remember I wrote the final ending and it's changed a little bit, but it says something like, 
Um, and that was the writer who, um, who wrote Ramona and all these books that became. Um, so I just sort of, I wrote this line that was basically saying all these things connected and that is where her, her books were born. And I just sort of knew like, okay, I did it. I did it. That was it. I found the heart of it. Um, and so then I sent it off. And the coolest thing is she, the woman, her name is Michelle McCann. She's a fantastic woman and I'm forever grateful for her. She held back and she said, it was unanimous. Everybody said yes. The end, she said the end made me cry. So the thing about writing a biography is finding the heart of this person because you have all this information of the things they did, but you have to tell the one storyline that you want to tell or, or the heart of it. So for me, the heart of it was Beverly wrote the books that she wanted to read as a struggling reader um, when she was in at Little Yam Hill Elementary School. Oh gosh, just, <laughs> Lissy, I'm like gonna cry right now because it's so true. And I think that's why so many of us love Beverly Cleary is because, yep. I mean, she's just the cutest little thing you've ever seen. And yep. like, her books just bring so much like passion and magic and can really reach every reader. Oh, they're just so special. With that, I have to know, what is your favorite Beverly Cleary book? Um, as a kid, Ramona Quimby, age eight, was my favorite. Um, yeah, it was the best. And one thing that I remember reading Ramona is she was such a normal kid. Like, I read so many books, but she was the one, those are the one books where I felt like, oh, there's someone just like me out there. Like, there was a scene, I remember reading as a kid, there was a scene where the parents got in an argument. And Ramona was so panicked about it and she went to bed all stressed out. And I was like, oh, that's happened to me. Other parents fight because there were sometimes the hard things aren't depicted in books and they were a working class family. And sometimes they were stressed about money. And, you know, um, I saw all this through Ramona's eyes and it felt like my world. I felt not alone. And, you know, I think that's one of the big drives in diversity right now is that we want kids to not feel alone by books. And that's why they need to be represented. Um, that's a long offshoot, but. No, no, it's everything you're saying. I'm like, yes, and we're doing this. I've learned how to Zoom um, podcast now. So I get to see Vicky, which is so exciting. But I'm literally like, yes, yes. Like you should all see my hands right now. I am giving her so many praise hands because I'm just so thankful for her book and oh, I just love it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I also have to say that I love her autobiographies as a grown up. Um, I read them a bunch of times, but you know what I loved is I loved he, like her stories of young adulthood, like falling in love with Clarence, like meeting him at a dance. And they were just really good friends and they would hang out after she babysat on like this one Friday night, she'd always babysit and they would just like kind of watch the sun go down and, um, and at UC Berkeley. So um, I, her, her biographies are really worth reading, her autobiographies as an adult. Oh my gosh, I'll have to check those out because I don't, I just learned about, you talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you talked about the a girl from, um, what was this? Yam Hill. Yeah, yep, the girl you. from Yam Hill. I tried looking it up the other day and it's definitely um, very hard to find. So I got to keep searching, but oh. looks, it sounds so good. Okay, so I love fun facts. And so what are, do you have any like secret facts or insights into Beverly that like many readers might not know? 
Um, what I really, the things that I picked up on when I read her biographies is that she was so brave. Like she, she was an army librarian. I don't know that people knew that. Like she worked on an army base as a librarian. And when she graduated college, she lived in California. She was in love with Clarence. They want, they were going to get married, but she was so independent. And this was like the, this was the forties, like late, late thirties and forties. And she came up to Seattle on her own and she lived in a boarding house and she went to the University of Washington because she wanted to be a librarian because she decided um, as a young girl, like she wanted to be surrounded by books. Um, and then she moved to this little town in Washington and was a librarian and she just lived in a boarding house um, and Clarence would come visit her. Um, and this was so long ago, she would see um, people, Native Americans, um, in their full like traditional dress on her way to the library. Um, so I think reading about her life in such a different time, um, you know, she wasn't actually, her parents were totally against her marrying Clarence because they were Presbyterian, he was Catholic or the other way around. They didn't have the same religion. And um, so she really kind of defied her mother in marrying Clarence and her dad was okay with it but her mom really was unhappy with it. Um, she was an only child and very lonely. Um, and um, yeah, some of the things that got cut from the book, I had some lines about her riding the streetcar to ballet and um, you know, those, I don't have any like smoking guns, but I think, and actually her and her mom, her mom was kind of a strange, a strange mother figure, like kind of um, overbearing sometimes um like she much she really really had a close relationship with her dad so um i think those are interesting things as i read through um so yeah i love that thank you for sharing i have to ask so i'm learning about how when you work with a publisher you might have the title you want and then it's either your title or they pick a title the title that you ended up with, which is just like Beverly, a biography of Beverly Cleary, was that your title or was that publisher's title? That was my title. So um, I could not figure out what to call it for a long time. It didn't have a title. And so during that month, um, I was kind of, I have a writing group and I was hashing, hashing, hashing out like things. And I can't even remember what I thought. I, I just really couldn't throw out when it was very, very old, the worst drafts, it was like, Beverly Cleary, the writer who wouldn't read. It was like this long, clunky title. Like, so anyway, if you're a writer, do not be afraid of bad first drafts. They all start out bad. Yeah, um, so starting but, my first one now and I sent it to my editor and she was like, okay, well, yeah, yeah, here. And then, okay, yeah. okay, it's okay though. Yep, yep, that's how it is. It is, that's just how it is. Um, so that, so through hashing it out with my writing group, um, uh, and think talking about like why she did what she did just like Beverly came out of that conversation so then when I sent the final draft we're like oh we love the title so um that that is how that happened that is so awesome and the illustrations are amazing David did such a great job where you like I feel like it's like you guys were like a match made in heaven and I did you get to pick the illustrator or no, and that is, I think, one one thing that people don't know a lot is that you you a writer does not get to pick the illustrator. 
but that is great because I could not have chosen a better person. Like, um, so uh, Little Bigfoot is the publisher and they are a small um, but strong, amazing publishing house in Seattle. And they're, it's, they're, they're the children's imprint of Sasquatch books. Um, so they have an incredible art director. So once, once the editor has done all the, the work with the words, the art director takes over and they work, the editor and the art director work to make the illustrations. Um, so they really wanted, they, they said, I, we need to have a Portland illustrator for this, which was awesome. And they chose David and I am so impressed because he did all this research. He went to the Oregon Historical Society and found um, like every photograph of pictures of the streets that she lived on. Um, so even down to the details of what the roller skates looked like. And I pro provided some of that, but he, uh, her house in Yam Hill looks exactly like that. Um, and he used all the photographs. If you look at photographs of her, he did such a good job aging her and changing her from, yeah, from, yep, from little to old, yes. Um, We're looking at the book right now, everyone that can't see us. We are like, <laughs> I'm like showing her pictures, like, oh, talk about this one. Yep, so she's she's showing me the picture um, at the very end where Beverly Cleary um, is elderly. Uh, so he, he captured all of her hairstyles that were correct. Um, and in, and I didn't even know this, but he, he said in Oregon, in Portland, before they tear down any building or, or change a building, they photo, they photographed it and it was in the Oregon Historical Society. Um, so he did so much research that it brought all the pictures to life and his style is so like Norman Rockwell reminiscent. Um, so it couldn't have turned out more beautiful. Um, and art directors are amazing. Like I think um, as a writer, you really have to um, let go of your vision and trust the other people um, that are helping with the book and the art director. Um, so they showed me, uh, they had three different, um, they had three different covers. Um, and I didn't even see the covers um, until later. Um, and they chose the, the best one because uh, she looks like Ramona on the cover and she's holding those little green readers. That's exactly what her little first grade readers that she couldn't read very well looked like. Um, and I visited Beverly Cleary Elementary School where, um, where she lived um, and I got to do a school visit there and it was wonderful. The librarian there was fantastic. Um, and he, he took a visit inside the school. So the inside of the school really looks like that. Um, like the cubbies where she's hiding and crying where her teacher had sent her in the, into the coat room. Um, they still have those in, in, in the classrooms. Um, the hallways looked just like what was inside my book. So I have nothing but praise for David Hone and the job he did. Um, we got to meet at the Portland Book Festival um, and I got to meet his lovely wife and um, his son who was uh, so wonderful and sweet. So um, I really got so lucky. I couldn't have asked for better people to oh help support gosh. this book. I know, so <laughs> cool. That is so cool. And I didn't even know there was an elementary school after her. Um, and there's a, I mean, Portland just loves Beverly Cleary and they should. So, uh, cause she grew up in Portland. Um, and there's a there's a park 
that is um, Beverly Cleary Park, and it has statues of Henry Huggins and Ramona and everything. So, um, yeah. I was supposed to go there last summer, but then the pandemic hit. So uh, I didn't get to go, but I am going to go one day because I really want to go see all of that. Yeah. <laughs> so how should we, as Beverly Cleary lover, like how should we honor her legacy as readers? Um, I think make reading a regular habit. Um, I think reading her books to, if you have kids in your life, read her books um, to them. And even her books beyond um, just Ramona, like Dear Mr. Henshaw, I remember reading that and being very touched. And she wrote that in response to a little boy writing about his parents' divorce. And um, he was struggling with that. So that's why she wrote Dear Mr. Henshaw. And I also, um, I think about pursuing your dreams, whatever your dream is, because she, uh, she didn't give up on her dream and she kept pursuing it even when she doubted herself or it was hard. Um, so I think those are some great ways we can honor her. I love that. And I laugh every time because I'm like, Beverly, you had the best title of a book, Dear Mr. Hinshaw, but you spelled the last name wrong. <laughs> I'm Hinshaw, but I'm H-I. And so I always laugh and everyone would always be like, oh, is this your book? Oh my goodness. Oh, how funny. No. Um, is there anything else? I have a few other questions, but is there anything else you want to tell my listeners that we haven't touched upon yet? Um, I think the main thing is that um, if you are a writer uh, or wannabe writer, uh, I always call, if you're not published yet, a pre-published writer, I think just to know that um, it's a crazy and winding road. Um, and my book went through huge revisions and rejections and I had to persevere a lot. I probably rewrote this book at least 50 times um, to find the right story. Um, but if writing is something you really wanna do, um, then pursue it and learn about it, study and read. I love that. So, now you mentioned earlier that you have another book coming out. Can you talk a little bit about that book or does it have to stay secret still? No, it's, um, it's coming out in October and it's a biography, but it's totally different. It's actually, um, it's about the Florida Everglades and Marjorie Stoneman Douglas is, oh yeah, she's this famous activist who helped save them from destruction. Um, so it is more of a lyrical book. So, but the same kind of basics apply is that I had a giant amount of scientific research, a giant amount of information, and I had no idea how to tell this story. So I found the link, the missing link in that story was that everything was connected. So I had to tell, find a way to just say in a thousand words how all of this science and this woman's story were connected. So I sort of wrote it in a, in a lyrical form. It almost sounds like a poem where it introduces something like this is um, the stream that did this. Um, and so it sort of is told that way. Um, and it is coming out in the fall of 2021. And um, I just got the official cover um, and it's beautiful. And um, I, it was, it was enormous. It was, the research was so hard on it. I'm very, I'm very proud. We're proud of hard things we do. So it's made me pretty proud because it was such a, a beast to research. So Beverly gave us, she gave me honestly such a gift of writing two autobiographies. 
um, because I knew how she felt in all these different situations and times. So um, that is a little bit about my new book. I love it. What's at, what's next after that? Um, I always like to tell people about failures too, because it, uh, most people don't, you only see the successes. Um, I am working, I worked on another biography that um, never got picked up, even though I worked really hard on that. I have worked on early readers that I'm waiting to hear about. Um, and then I'm just doing, I'm working on, um, I'm doing a lot of science, science-based um, picture books. So that's, those are the things, things lately. So that's awesome. Um, well, I loved this book just like Beverly so much. I can't wait to read your next one. So the few you. questions I ask every guest. So the first one is, what is your all-time favorite picture book that gave you a confetti moment? Um, a Visitor for Bear by Bonnie Becker. Um, when that book came out, uh, I was still teaching kindergarten. I had never read it and I opened it up and I began reading uh, to my class and they were just mesmerized. Um, I think picture book language is so hard to write because it's so tight and there's so so few words, but that phrase, small and gray and bright-eyed, um, was just so simple and genius. So shout out to Bonnie Becker. Um, she's also a really lovely, wonderful woman and she lives in Seattle, so. I think all the people live in Seattle. I have got to get to Seattle. Yeah, on my bucket list. Yeah. What picture book besides your own can you not wait to come out in twenty one or twenty two? Um, it just one that I was really looking forward to seeing just came out about two weeks ago, maybe. No, yeah, it came out on the twenty third, and it was the Tree and Me by Karina Lukin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was really looking forward to that one. Um, so, uh, I just, all of her books are, are fantastic and her artwork that she creates is wonderful. So that was a big one for me. Those are yeah. so great. Well, thank you so much for coming on Confetti Moments, but where can my Confetti Moments listeners find you to learn more about your books and your awesome self? Um, I have, uh, I'm Vicki Conrad on Instagram. So you can follow me on Instagram. And I post about, I post a little bit about books and a little bit about my life. Um, and then I have a website, www.vickiconrad.com. So, and on Twitter, I'm at Vicki Conrad too, on Twitter. Awesome. I've tried Twitter. I try every summer and then I still, I tap out. I just can't. I got oh. one social media platform for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were fantastic on Instagram. So thank you for, for all you do for books and for giving them shout outs. And yeah, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. It was so good to have you. Thank you for having me on. It was great to see you. Hey, teachers. How are you? I am just so thankful that you have been listening to the Confetti Moments podcast. It is something that I love to do. I love to share my love of picture books and books and the love of teachers with all of you. And you know what I would love as well is, hey, why don't you share this podcast with another friend to spread the magic with them 
and leave a comment. Let teachers know, what do you love about this podcast? What do you want me to share more of? I would love to hear from you. All you have to do is go on to wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a review. Thanks so much, and as always, open the magic. Thank you so much for tuning into the Confetti Moments podcast. I hope each story or tip you heard today brings the love of reading into your heart. Take this confetti and sprinkle it all over the children in your classroom or home. See you back here next Monday to open the magic.